Well, this is the big one, isn't it, Arian? <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> so we've been hustling like bunnies, belting off like two podcasts, three podcasts a day sometimes with every U.S. national champion coming off the U.S. <laughs> national championships. And every single person we talk to, we say, um, did you catch U.S. nationals? Who, who, what was the biggest performance? Who stole the show? What do you got? What do you, what do you want to talk about? All of them say Taylor Atwood. And that's, and that's that, man. It is what it is. Um, holy freaking smokes, Taylor. <laughs> like, I don't even know what to say. We, like, initially, we were talking a little bit in the DMs, yeah. and uh, you were confident. But, um, bro, <laughs> <laughs> did you know what was happening here? What's going on? Yeah, look, uh, I I showed you the 325 deadlift. was like, these kids aren't ready. They, <laughs> and I, and I, look, I don't want to, I portray myself as uh, one way on Instagram. And that is the one thing that the, my, my audience gets to see. That's the one portrayal of Taylor Atwood. Um, and that's what I want. I want people to, to know I'm the champion and I'm going to continue to dominate until I don't want to anymore. And I am confident in not only my abilities, but Jason's ability, Kedrick's ability, our team's ability. So when I talk in absolutes sometimes, I'm not just coming from my angle. I'm coming from all angles. And I just think that we are the most prepared team coming into any competition. And until that rain <laughs> is stops or someone in, comes in and figures out the formula better than us, I'm going to continue to say that I'm confident in my ability and my coach's ability and our team's ability to continue to win championships. And when I was in your DM and I threw you the 325 bait, I was like, dude, this it's over, man. Like, <laughs> I'm not even going to put these kids to bed yet. I'll wait until the, the competition day. And, and that's what we did. It was, let me, okay, first off, it was tough because I am, um, you told me, like, you got to keep it to yourself. And, yeah. Like, I'm king of this for God's sake. This is, I'm like, holy shit, this is the mother of all, you know, presents I got in my DMs right now. And I seen you smash that. And I was like, oh, wow. So then we have a whole preview show. And I'm like, I can't say too much, but I'm like, I think, I don't know if you heard it or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> I think Taylor's going to unwrap unwrap something special on me day and i'm like just you know i'm pretty flipping confident and um and it wasn't like you know it's no insult to any of these other lifters it's just it's not with their it just is out of their hands at this point when you when you see what i'm seeing in the dms right but i'm keeping it low key at the same time respecting the fact that you know it, it hasn't unfolded yet but um you know, when, like, I want to talk a little bit about this, like the training and everything that goes into it, because this is where your confidence comes from. People are like, yeah, first off, yes, you come off a certain way on social media, as you should, man. It is, it is intimidating when somebody wins year after year after year and freaking is this confident and rolls up, flashing that smile, like, 
are you boys ready to eat the food that I got served for you? Like it is, it's, it's coming again. It's coming in hot. Um, and it does mean something to me. Cause you, you never, you're never scared. And you're always the ultimate big game showman. Like you show up on the big games. People are like, yeah, you did a local meet and you were a little hurt and your total was this. And it's like, don't fight. Don't worry about it. Yeah, okay. Okay. Sure. Skate with that. See what happens. Like, it's like, it doesn't matter. We know. Right. Um, but in terms of prep, I liked it. I likened it to this. I've had people um, in, in DMs be like, look, at, I think it's over prep. I think like, you know, you, you see him at certain meets and he's got like one coach for programming, one coach for handling, one coach for RMT, one coach for dietitian, one coach for, and they're thinking like, they're trying to, when you're on top, this is what people do, right? They're like, it's just too much. It's, you know, and then I told, I've, I've said this before and it's true. It's like when George St. Pierre leveled up MMA and, and he started getting like a coach for dietitian, a coach, like the best for striking, the best for wrestling, the best for brought it all together. And he spent like uncovered everything he possibly could all aspects of training. And that's how serious it was when they show up, there's no intuitive handling. There's no intuitive for nutrition. Well, how do you feel for eating? No, you're going to get all your calories, all your macros, all your re. re rehydration, all the scouting is done, all the warmups are done, the RMTs worked on you, any injury you might have had. It's like, how do you think this is, fellas? Stop trying to mitigate, stop trying to talk shit and simplify it because it's over your heads or you just don't have access to it and start. And I'm not saying it's just like other 70 stores, I mean, period, the rest of the game, it's like, start paying attention, man. This, this, this there is, I know you've said it, the DMs, you're like, bro, <laughs> you know, I've leveled up. Until you level up, I'll see you when you get there. Um, so let, maybe let's talk about this level, this, the whole process and why you think you're, you're so far ahead. Well, it's a great question because I think it's one of the, again, still underestimated parts of uh, the Taylor Atwood persona and the performances that we continue to give. Um, and even the strength guys in general. I feel like the strength guys were one of the still underdogs in powerlifting in terms of powerlifting coaching. And we've done nothing but continue to raise the bar, show people how it's supposed to be done on meet day. And we just have a level of a standard that we're continuing to uphold. And going back to Matt Gary, uphold the standard. And that's, that's essentially what we're doing. And if people think that's over the top, okay, good. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. Cause I just put up the best performance ever. So we can, and <laughs> I can, I can talk that shit now. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> go, go look it up on the, on the numbers, man. Numbers don't lie. Yeah. So, and I'm going to come off at, on this podcast as I'm the best because I think we've deserved it. It's been something that's uh, years, years in the making. And I hope everyone understands that. Um, this isn't just overnight. This, this has been since 2017, where we got our asses handed to uh, 2015, when we actually bombed at the Arnold 2017, when we got our asses handed to us at, uh, by Kel 2018 or 2016, when I lost on technicality at worlds. Um, so now being number one, in the entire like tested untested like it's uh it's something that i i didn't it wasn't surreal 
until I, I like got home to New York. I was in Florida uh, with my family and we were talking about it a little bit, my dad and I and some of my friends, but it didn't hit me until I was in bed, laying, laying in bed at night, uh, maybe like four or five days later. And I'm like, I just put up the best performance in powerlifting history. Like, and I let it sit. I really did. I let it sink in. I'm like, holy sh-. So I think that when, when people think about competition, especially the, the young kids and youngins in, in the game right now, and this isn't just 74s. This is, like you said, Ryan, this is every weight class. I almost, I feel like, they, I continuously see it's not the performance that I wanted. It's not this, it's not that. And there's so many variables from a powerlifting, uh, from an athlete perspective that you can control. So for example, some, one of the most simple things, having your own fucking chop at the meet, right? Some of the, some people come in and they're like, I'm just going to use the chalk that they give. Have you been using that chalk and uh performance from practice have you been using that same chalk in the gym while you're hitting your so then they'll come in and say it was the chalk it was the bar it slipped the carpet was too slippery and it's like oh my god you're worrying about the the wrong variables and for us with the strength guys we everything in our control we make sure we are prepared and ready to go on game day. So small things like chalk, recomp. So how are you hydrating? How, what's your food look like? What's your continuing uh, throughout the meet? What does your food look like? What's your water intake? How much sleep are you getting at uh, night? There's just so many, and even <laughs> our scouting, our scouting is top notch. We, we know, like we didn't need to worry about it. And that was something that actually kind of surprised me. I thought Austin was going to come in a little more prepared than he did. Uh, and, and that's not no shade to him either. I don't, he could have some injuries. I don't know. Um, but I, I didn't think that he was going to be where he was. I mean, he's finished what 25 kilos below the 800 he hit in October. Uh, so that was a huge, um, regression on his part, but again, that could go to training, right? Like, what are you doing from a training perspective? It's not the day that you wanted. Why? Um, and, and that's what I want everyone to get out of this podcast is like, look, I am the best, not because I'm the best because of my coaches, because the way that I, we prepare, the way that we're able to come in every meet and control the variables that we can control. That's what it comes down to. It's so simple. Everyone wants to complicate things. And it's just the most simple variables that you can control, making sure that you're ready on game day. And, and some people just think that you need to do all these complex things and it's not necessary. You, you also, though, have a f- approached it from a level, a level of professionalism that other people have not. Like, for instance, and this is going to go to also like Jason and his and how humble he is. I have not met somebody as dedicated on coaching as Jason is to you. I talked to him in private and you had like a, a, a hammy was tight. 
And I'm not shitting you. My man said, you don't tell nobody. This is after the fact, so it doesn't matter. But um, <laughs> my man was like, A, don't tell nobody. B, because I asked how you doing. He's like, I haven't fucking slept in like a couple of days. And I'm like, <laughs> I go, I-, I think it's real though. I'm like, whoa, shit. Is he stressed? I'm like, what happened? He's like, fucking Taylor's hamstrings tight. i've never had another man so worried about another guy's hamstring you know what i'm saying like it's and um i've seen the spreadsheets used by the strength guys with their clients and it is like they have recorded hours of sleep food calories give us like everything is logged so if that's a shitty day here's why here's why people be like is that overkill well if numbers don't hit properly on certain sessions, it could be like, well, we don't need to adjust necessarily if it's sleep and food though. Like, like it, it depends on like, did we fuck up or did, what is it? There's so many variables as opposed to if you don't have this and you're another guy who's just intuitively, you're hyper-focused on program, the weights, the whatever, and you keep adjusting things that don't need adjusted. Like data rules the day. And I'm going to throw this to Jason, but you guys cover all this, all the variables where it's like, you have so much data at your fingertips, like it's not guesswork. And then um, Taylor had mentioned the scouting. I had fucking Jason on for a preview show. And he's like, I was like, so when's good? And he's like, well, I need about a week. And I was like, uh, like ahead of time to book. He goes, no, cause I'm, I'm logging about 25 <laughs> hours on this. And I'm like 25 hours of scouting. <laughs> I'm like, this is the King of Lists episode, man. But the guy is so crazy into what he does. Like I just have a level of, I'm like, all right, man, thinking over preparing, <laughs> but let's, let's do it. Um, so Jason, maybe talk about like some of this prep. We'll get into the day and how it all went, but like everything that goes into this, it's a lot, man. It is, yeah. Um, on Taylor's end, it's uh, three to three to four hour sessions. Sometimes three times per week, um, he would train squat, bench, press, deadlift on Monday, uh, squat, bench, and uh, some back work on on Wednesday, and then squat, bench, press, deadlift on Friday, and, and bench press on Saturday. And um, everything is. It's hard, but it's within his wheelhouse. Uh, it's not like he has one hard set. It's, he's got kind of like medium hard difficulty on anywhere between five to 10 sets, depending on the lift each day. And um, to his credit, he sticks with it somehow. Um, he, no matter what's going on with school, with work, uh, with his with his personal life, he makes it to the gym, and he gets to work in whether that's four a.m. whether that's finishing up a workout at eleven thirty at night, uh, or you know, like a he posted the video of him passing out after his final heavy deadlift of the prep, and that wasn't really a training thing. That was like you hadn't eaten, you held your breath for too long, and you were training on four hours of sleep because you had a late flight the night before right like it was kind of like a, a freak incident but even stuff like that like how many people um will go to the gym under those circumstances and and then if they do uh how many people have the focus and the the fortitude to make that a, a productive session right um when we watch our lifters do their opening attempts, their second attempts in training, 
all it takes is, is one bad session and it will be like, hey, like we're dropping numbers. Like that wasn't convincing enough, right? And so if you're gonna do the work, you better do it well. And uh, Taylor's always been really clear on that. So that's the first thing. I, I think the second thing is, um, I think we view training differently than the norm is. I, I think the norm is that um, training is going to project directly into a competition. Um, you're chasing numbers. You're, I think once you start chasing this way, you got to keep chasing the next PR, right? Even if you're lifting you know, 10, 20, 30 kilos heavier than you actually should be, right? You're, you're still going for it. And you're saying, yeah, that was an RPA, you know? Um, whereas with us, we view training as preparation. Um, Matt Gary said this on one of my calls and it was uh, one of the truest things he's ever said is uh, the job of the coach is to put the client in the best possible position to succeed. And so if, if someone wants to say that it's overkill to, um, to know how much training volume Taylor's done uh, when, he, when he totaled 812, when he totaled 790, now when he totaled 838.5, um, that's fine. Like it's, it's like cooking in a kitchen. Like I, I have the recipe, you know, like we, we know, we, we've seen the result. Of, of, of this block of training. And, and we know what's happened in his life outside of that. Uh, we have his performances logged. And, and so next time when we wanna turn things up a little bit more uh, and maybe fix a few areas that we thought were problematic in this prep, it's easier because you, you, have, you have information to go off of. You're not starting on a blank chalkboard anymore, right? Uh, so there's that. Uh, and that goes for monitoring the health and wellness of clients, which I, I feel like striving to be a top tier athlete, you're kind of, uh, you're not going the road of, of trying to be, uh, maximize your health, right? Like you're, you're putting, you're putting your health at risk to some extent to chase being the best in your sport. And, and that's the life of an athlete, right? That's, that's the trade-off you make, but I think if you're not monitoring the health and wellness of your client, I, I think there's something really seriously wrong with that, right? Because um, you, you hear stories in U.S. football about conditioning coaches, you know, running people until one of the linemen drops dead, like, like seriously, you know, like you don't want to, you don't want to give anyone a back injury that's everlasting in powerlifting. You don't want to, uh, train them to the point that they break or train them to the point of mental health issues. Like you gotta, you gotta monitor this stuff. Like this is just being responsible. On. And then uh, when we're looking at the scouting, um, as Taylor said, it, it didn't really come too much into play, but I'm, I'm still damn glad we did it. You know, like you, you learn about everyone that you look up uh, and it, you know, you just kind of store it up here for, for future use, right? Like this is, this is how that competitor is doing. And, and then you watch them on meet day. Like I remember um, 
and Paige Hubbard, one of my other competitors who competed in the session after Taylor. I remember scouting Claire's eye and she was new to the sport uh, by the looks of her open IPF database and uh, hadn't made a tremendous amount of attempts. So going in, you're like, wow, like her gym lifts are really strong, but like, is she a wild card? Like, do we know? And then she has a flawless nine for nine performance on weekdays. Like she learned from her mistakes, right? So like, I think even in situations like that, scouting is beneficial. But I had one guy uh, comment when I, when I posted a snippet of the scouting report saying this is silly. And I, I disagree because we, we coached against that guy too. And when he put his openers up on the board, I knew exactly what he was aiming for on his third attempts already. And I was projecting what that meant for us. What later session on. was this? Sorry? What's... <laughs> What session was this? This was in the uh, 66 kilo session. Okay. Um, so it's like, you think it's silly, but you don't really have any idea what we're doing with it, you know? And on top of knowing what you're aiming for, we know your likelihood of failing based on history, right? So that helps too with, with simulating different scenarios that we can run into. Uh, which we did with Austin and, and Michael and Eric and Richard, the 74s and Taylor's meet. And we did with our master's clients too. We're like, in, in what different situations could we uh, use a chip? Like, should we use a chip on this lift? Because with Taylor's third bench, bench press call, if we did 200.5, his total, his subtotal would have been uh, 502.5. So we've lost our chip advantage that we got on the squat. Right. Like, and if, if you're not really prepared, if you don't really critically think about how you're positioning your client uh, with your calls, I think you can make silly errors like that. And so at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is prepare our clients, put them in the best possible position to succeed. And um, I'll go to uh, any end to do that within, within the rule book. Right. So, uh, you know, what's, it's um, so a couple. I'm I'm not gonna bring I'm not gonna bring up like handling mistakes, whatever. A little, bit, but there's a couple times I was having conversations in the DMs and I was like, like I, I say like yeah, you know, some people like oh, mistakes can happen, you know, when when handling like chips or like misjudging of numbers or like um, you know, and I remember saying, could you ever imagine the strength guys doing this with Taylor though? Could you ever imagine them fucking up, like not seeing somebody coming or not have all you guys like, it's insane how into it you guys are. Like, it's almost inconceivable that to picture certain people dropping the ball, it'd have to be something crazy. Um, so I just want to say that. Cause it's, it's true, man. There's some people like everyone makes mistakes, Bet. but um, it's not through like, if it's a calculation error on the fly, that can happen but it's not through lack of prep is what I'm trying to say. It's not through lack of attention, lack of focus, lack of whatever you're on the ball, nothing skating by it'd be, it'd be a cold day, man, a cold day in hell with that. When you're like, Oh yeah, that happened. It skated by. Um, I, I want to ask Taylor, you had posted and a lot of people re brought up this caption where you said, um, I don't want to fuck up the, the post here. It's like a week before. And it was about something about how people thought it was going to be close. Do you remember exactly what you said? 
I said, you guys have, you think you're close. You have no idea. Yeah, that was it. You think you're close. You have no idea. And it was like, that's how I read it with the pause. And then, and I, I what exactly like, uh, is that just the uber confidence you had in yourself? And like, it doesn't matter what you guys are bringing to the table because Perkins had like a, a 661, 300 kilo squat and training and it could have looked well, but were you just, what were you thinking there? Yeah, look, um, <laughs> again, my confidence comes from my, what I do in training. And another objective piece of data that we have is uh, the rep one, which is a velocity tracker. So when, I, when I'm logging in my squat or my bench, um, I have the velocity tra tracker on every rep. And it's, again, it's, it's an objective piece of data that is just another point where we can say this is how well it moved based on how I was feeling. And Ryan, when I tell you, uh, I was on the brink, not just physically, but mentally of breaking this prep. Um, there was just so much going on outside of the gym. And I was dedicating four hours of my time, three to four hours of my time in the gym. And I didn't have three to four hours to give. So when I was there, I felt guilty. I've, I had think, other things on my mind. So it's trying to stay focused was just insane. However, uh, every session, man, I came in and fucking smashed it. And all I had was in the back of my mind was Jason continuously to, continuously telling me, continue to show me, continue to show me. And even Matt, Matt was doing the same thing. I'm like, what else do I need to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, so after that session, I think that's the session I hit 325. Um, but I also had six singles before that on squat uh, with 275. That was my opener on squat. Wow. And they oh, fucking. You went, up, you went up to 290 and 295. Oh, was that another session? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So we went, uh, we had our second attempts potentially that day. Yeah. So uh, I went 290, 290, 295 uh, on squat that day. Um, and then I had, we had back off volume. Then <laughs> we didn't have any uh, singles on bench, but I still had volume. Uh, and then we had to hit singles on dead. So here I am hitting singles, potential second attempts on squat, volume on bench. And then now I have to go hit singles on deadlift. And I've already been in the gym now for three hours. <laughs> mind you it's like 10 o'clock 10 30 at night so i am like i'm texting jason like dude i don't know if i can do this anymore i'm fucking dying i hate you right now <laughs> <laughs> he's like it's gonna be worth it man i swear and i'm like it better be fucking worth it <laughs> and i'm sitting there like just in my feelings at night every little thing was bothering me you know uh, when you're walking past the bar and like there's this little thing sticking out from the rack and you trip on it it was yeah. one of those fucking nights <laughs> so i'm just every little thing was just bothering me and uh 
yeah, I, I hit, we hit, so I opened up with 300 and that fucking flew. And I think I posted that. And that's when I was like, you guys think you're ready. <laughs> you have no <laughs> idea. But I posted that after I hit. So I went 315 after that. And that was like an opener. And I was like, holy shit, I'm going 325. <laughs> fuck it. So <laughs> we went 325 and it moved at like our, I could have hit it for a triple. Like, that's how good I felt. Um, it would have been a grinder, but I could have hit it for three. So when I text Jason, I'm like, dude, <laughs> we are like, we're ready. Well, no, no. Like, you, you text me, you're like, we're going to open it. Three, five. <laughs> 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 like, that's what you want. Like, this is an opener. I was like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Well, Jason, like, I like the enthusiasm. But that's... <laughs> so this was it, man. Like, after I hit the 325, I was like, man, with a taper, with rest, with sleep, I was like, man, this is going to be a fucking opener. Like, this is it. Like, I, I'm going to hit 358, 360, whatever. Put the put it whatever you need on the bar. I'm going to hit it. Um, so, yeah, I was, I, was, I was really confident after that session. And that's when I posted, dude, you guys. Because <laughs> they don't know, man. They don't know. And it's not even... I wasn't even just talking about the 74s. I was talking about everyone. Like apparently Ashton, Ashton, Russ, like everyone because Ashton and I were on the same uh, elemental formulations team. Uh but nonetheless like there's still he he beat me in October or November or something last year for best lifter. I was pissed. I was like, I, I thought that I was going to come out 2020, the best lifter. And uh, here comes fucking Ashton. And <laughs> he, I think he beat me by a point or something on, on good lift points. Yeah. Um, so I was like, all right. All right, motherfucker. I got you. I got you. Uh, so I, mind you, I, I don't think. I knew I knew I was going to be strong on national day. Like just granted every, <laughs> I was hitting like seven and a half kilos more to five, five to seven and a half kilos more on squat and bench at the same uh, velocity rate that I was back in October. And I had the eight twelve performance and I had more in the tank. So knowing that I, I was doing that, I'm like, man, Jason's trying to lowball me right now. Like <laughs> I'm trying to push him to his brink and, and be at least somewhat comfortable, but uncomfortable at the same time. And I'm like, man, I, I compromised with 303 on the squat. I was like, all right. <laughs> that was a compromise. I'll compromise <laughs> with 303. No, because I honestly thought I was going to hit 310. That's what I was thinking. I had Probably 310 could. and like, let's go. Uh, bench press. I was like, dude, get 205. Put 205 on there. And ben, uh, on dead, I was like, dude, anything 350 plus. <laughs> I was like, he and he, when he, when Jason actually put it on paper, he's like, do you realize what total this is? <laughs> so I was like, I don't give a fuck. I was like, I'm that strong. I was like, you have to trust me. I, the way that I'm feeling right now, I wished, I wished 
someone could come into my body, like have one of those in-body experiences in my body because I felt like absolute dog shit every session. Every session. I'd have a day of rest, but then come have to come back and hit a fucking SPD day. (laughs) And then something else would come up and I couldn't hit, I couldn't hit the, uh, I had to have back-to-back sessions. So some days I was squat bench and then I had to come back and hit a squat bench dead. So I was like, I just knew, I knew how strong I was um, and how the weight was moving. And I'll say, we'll get into the, how I felt on on competition day, but uh, just leading into the meet, how the weights were moving. Yeah. After that session, I was like, these, it's not going to be close. I I think you said something interesting in there too. Um, like when we trained Eli Burks as well, like just directing a hospital, like volatile lifestyle in terms of the amount of sleep you're able to get when you're able to train, like just you guys are, are, are busy people. And you hear the complaints of, you know, the, the flights were too fast or I didn't, you know, the, the carpet was slippery on the platform or I didn't have my chalk, like you mentioned earlier in the, in the episode and, or even a training, like, you know, I didn't perform the way I wanted because I, I didn't have a great sleep last night or I didn't do this. I didn't do that. But like, there was, there was none of that with Taylor. And they, I think part of that is that we're, we're training him to prepare for the meet. We're not, chasing numbers because undoubtedly he's not going to be able to hit PRs on four hours of sleep, limited food intake after a 12 hour work day, you know, like that's, that's not really happening. But if you trust that process of, of volume accumulation and, and you keep the work in the program, uh, even though what he's describing these, these final weeks, when you're doing your, your heaviest sets, it's ugly. Like he was, he was wound up, stressed out, like, couldn't sleep through the night sometimes because saying he had knots in his back or knots in his chest like as coach you're like fuck like (laughs) stay healthy right like we've got like two more weeks like we we can do this but if you just trust that process even though it's hard i i know on bench press like that's the one lift where you didn't show us until until paper time right like you hit 197 and a half right after a volume phase like two weeks out and then couldn't keep your butt down with your opener right so i'm like are we fucking opening too high like what's what's happening and then on meet day the strength is there and way more right even though we weren't able to make it count which is something that's that's on us right we have to train with better standards and bench press um it was just no excuses the entire way and i i think that's really important. Like, I think if you're preparing the right way, you can make it through those sessions where you, you didn't have the greatest sleep or you didn't have the greatest nutrition. Or you're a little bit sore, a little bit this, a little bit that, because it was the same way with Eli Burks and like, he'd go home after a 24 hour shift, sleep for four to six hours and then go bang out SPD day, close to 700 on squat, over 400 on bench and you know, mid sevens on deadlift, like Eli does. 
yeah, I, I think it's a lot of it is how you prepare. And I, I think a lot of it is, is also uh, how these how these guys are able to block out the distractions and, and just focus on what they're doing and, and draw that strength and belief from within. Um, you're capable of so much more than you think. Um, talking about like the fatigue you felt, Taylor, and you said like, it's interesting how, because this is something everybody's going to relate to. You're like, there wasn't a day I didn't wake up fatigued, body battered, and you go in there, but you could still hit these numbers, even though you're fatigued. It's like your body was, it was fatigued at the right levels and you feel battered. You feel sore. And like, apparently Jay's saying like, you could be losing sleep at night, show up, but your body's so well conditioned, it'll still perform. It's like, and you're like, holy shit, am I good conditioned? If I can feel the way I do and keep going. And you go to sleep that night, you're like, holy fuck, I'm banged up. Show up the next day and your body's so well conditioned, we're going again. And you're like, holy smokes, this is crazy. But you're like, do you ever feel like you must totally trust the process? And obviously this is over years. And again, I've never met a guy who he analyzed, I can't stress enough. He lost three days sleep three Davis of life over your fucking hamstring, bro. <laughs> okay. So like, I'm, I'm not shitting you. He was a mess. He came on this thing here disheveled it with zoom call. And I was like, something's going on in, in his life. And it's your fucking hamstring. But um, So yeah, I mean, it's when you're, when you're in it like that, you must trust the process to an Uber extent and degree. And, um, so when you're pushing through, like, how do you know, like, this is injury or this is fatigue? This is feeling like shit or you're telling yourself it will turn around. It will, the taper, you, you had a really good post about that being the taper will come. It's coming. Like, can, can maybe walk through some people who are powerlifters who need to hear this? Yeah. Um, first of all, Jason, I love you, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and look, I, just to hit on that subject uh, and then we'll go into the fatigue piece. Sure. I, <laughs> I'm a bit, uh, I am loyal to a fault. It's, a, it's like one of my best and worst traits because sometimes I'm too loyal to the point where it's almost uh, diminishing. It's a diminishing return on my end. Um, and I think that's what happened in 2015 I trusted Jason so much, uh, but we opened too heavy on squat, but I was so confident and we knew what we were doing and we just wanted to crush the competition. Um, I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, so, but I've become, I, I've started to become a bit more objective from my end as well, where yes, I, I do come sometimes to Jason and I'm, I'm a bit more overconfident than I probably should be. But when it comes out to meet day or I've, I'm so in tune with my body, I'm in tune with who I am as a competitor that I am able to be objective in moment of high energy um, and, and somewhat where you could be, you could let your emotions get the best of you. So that's something that I've trained myself over time to do, though. Because I, I think early on in my powerlifting career, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Um, so I think that with experience uh, and honestly, the I felt embarrassed. I was, uh, I would say embarrassed was, was the best word to put it in 2015 after the Arnold uh, and bombing. 
Like I, we haven't missed a squat since. Holy <laughs> shit, that's a nice. Like stat. we, yeah, we we made it a, a a goal of ours to just make sure that we're ready to go on squat and we're not going to miss another squat. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of I'm loyal to a fault. Uh, but yeah, from a fatigue perspective. Again, I'm loyal to a fault. <laughs> I trust Jason so much to the point where I at least we have a very open communication. So if if everything is going okay from my end, I'm I'm probably radio silent, and Jason hates it. <laughs> um, the only time I'm truly vocal is when I'm starting to feel like shit or something flares up or or something happens and i think that that's that's all that's all jason man he's been able to prescribe the the right amount of volume now we've we found a formula that works um there's some times where i won't be able to finish a session just due to time and i'll be like jason should we finish or keep it up he's like no we'll adjust and we move on um so again, I think that we've found the formula, man, that, that works, uh, and we've been able to stay healthy. Um, that's another key aspect of this is, and I said this in the SBD before the, for, we were doing the Sheffield, um, they were doing the videos, the little snippets. And I said, if I'm healthy, I don't think anyone can beat me. And leading into the 812 performance and leading into the 838 and a half performance i'm healthy now i did have a hiccup uh maybe a few months ago with my quad but that wasn't due to jason's or over programming i my dumbass i switched uh my addy powers out for romaleos the romaleo fours because i wanted to be cool Um, (laughs) fair fair um and i didn't realize and i don't know if this is truly the case but i didn't realize that the heel was slightly different than the addy powers and on on the romaleos they're slightly more elevated so it put a little more strain on my quads uh than the addy powers so i was like all right fuck that i'm not wearing them anymore and (laughs) uh worked with some physical therapists here in new york and they got me back on the platform within like two and a half weeks um, hitting the weight and volume that I was hitting before. So um, again, I think it's, it, it's, it really comes down to the programming itself. So when you're, when you're feeling fatigued, just make sure you're staying in communication with your coach. And if it, you have to understand what the difference between fatigue and potential injury is, because if like for me with my hamstring, it was to the point where I was like, man, if I do another rep, it feels like it's going to rip. So I was like, can we adjust volume or do something? Uh, and we adjusted accordingly. So again, you're just making sure that you're doing everything in your power uh, again to get as ready and prepared for the next session. So that was literally my day. And I think it's a double-edged sword, man. I'm a perfectionist. So 
I want to make sure I am a hundred percent ready for the next session. And that's how my mindset was after each session. It's like, all right, what do I have to do to recover, to get back into the gym and hit another, whatever it was. And that it was the number one priority on my list, making sure I'm hydrated, making sure I have enough food. Um, and sometimes I could, I couldn't do that because I was in a meeting, I was in meetings all day, or I was just so focused on work. I couldn't, I, I just wasn't eating or something. That's where I would adjust accordingly. If I had to rest that day, I would. And if I had to hit back-to-back sessions, I would, I just make sure that I was prepared and I wasn't endangering myself in terms of getting injured. Um, but the fatigue part, yeah, it's definitely just staying in communication with your coach. And again, I've, I don't know how many meets I've done now, but I'm years into this and I know how I'm supposed to be feeling. And I know that I also had the fucking eight twelve in the back of my mind. And I'm like, man, we're going to crush this thing, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm coming off a great performance and that doesn't hurt. Right. Like, oh. That's, that's another aspect of this too. If I came off a shitty performance, I probably would have been a lot more reserved in the way that I was approaching uh, the meet. But I came off, again, a, a great performance. Um, and I just was, I was, again, trusting the process. And we actually switched up our bench uh, strategy this time where we kept our accumulation phase a lot longer. Um, and then I would say we kept it, what, about two weeks out, Jason? Almost a week out? Until you taper it. Yeah. yeah. So I was hit. I was, man. And, and I'll tell you, that crushed me in terms of, like, what Jason was mentioning earlier. I wake up in the middle of the night. I have knots in my back. I was having my dad when I got home because um, <laughs> his thumbs are so fucking strong. <laughs> he started he started rubbing my uh, knots out of my back and uh my chest was like just tight i was walking around like i was a fucking caveman dragging my (laughs) arms on the floor uh so i was again i was hitting numbers that where i was like man we're we're hitting volume prs right now and i'm hitting these feeling the way that i'm feeling i was like it's, it's going to be a historical performance. We just have to get to the platform healthy. It's, um, it's funny. Like you, the, the other variable you threw out there was like, we had like a velocity tracker, the whole nine, like there is nothing that wasn't data collected. Honestly, I think in, in 10 years, when people look back, look at, I, I get it. At some point, people are going to be breaking these numbers at some point, like 10, 20 years or whatever. But if you're leaving anything in the game, when people look back, they'll be like, that guy was ahead of his time. Before everyone else had leveled up and started taking to a professional aspect like that, he had from like the nutrition aspect to the, you know, the, the RMT aspect to the planning with the scouting to the programming to right down to the velocity to, and I've seen the spreadsheets that um, he's let me saw like some of the spreadsheets with all the information he logs. And it's, um, it looks crazy. Like the guy looks like he's a freaking mad scientist. If, uh, you know, if secret service gets a hold of us, we're like, who is this dude? Uh, but it's, it's nuts, man. And I think, well, I, 
I think when we look back, you were going to be one of the guys who changed the game and you had to do some performances like this to start until finally people started realizing we need to level up. Like, no, they're not doing too much. We're not doing enough. Stop saying I'm doing too much. Start saying you're not doing enough. Haven't we done enough to prove this already? You know, and I'm sure like to an extent, you must be talking to some of these dudes who are like, you know, whether they're programming for themselves or they got a buddy programmer, they got a buddy handling, but he doesn't super know all the rules and all the scouting. Like how much scouting did you do? Is this mostly intuitive for your programming? Is it mostly intuitive for your handling? Is it, how's your nutrition on? Do you, are you tracking this? And like, when you hear these and you're listening, are you like, fuck man, you fellas are just a stitch behind i think like like what what is it going on? this is not how we're running our show like do you feel that yeah 100 percent. <laughs> and again i think that uh people love to when we're we're truly innovators right like the stuff that we're doing no one else is doing and i can say that with confidence um you know, I was actually sitting in a, um, a class last week. It was called Value and or Seminar in Value Investing. And it was essentially valuing stocks, right? But he, the professor, he's, he's a hedge fund manager, millionaire. Um, he says, Wall Street's not doing this. And I looked at him and I was like, and I asked him, I'm like, why are you so confident that Wall Street's not doing this? He's like, because I've been on Wall Street. And you think that on Wall Street, these motherfuckers have their shit together, right? They're fucking trading trillions of dollars a day. Like, what do you mean they're not doing this? Mm. And he's like, there's just certain things that I know work and I don't understand why people don't do them. And I, I think that's the same thing with what we're doing in powerlifting and whether or not someone wants to do the, uh, dedicate the amount of time that uh, our team does to this powerlifting realm, that's on them. Um, however, don't like, don't try to point the finger at us and say that we're doing something wrong or this isn't necessary because what have you done? What have you done? we can sit here and say, we're the fucking best. We're number one and we've proven it over and over and over and over and over. And I don't, I don't understand how people continuously underestimate um, what we bring to the table. I really don't. I, and it, it, it gets frustrating, man. It really does. Um, because I like even the 13% that Austin, like everyone picked, chose Austin. I'm like, <laughs> what, what, what else do we have to do, man? And, <laughs> and, and I, I guarantee in the next fucking meet, if I do another meet, they'll be like, they'll still be a small percentage. Oh, Austin or Michael, someone's going to come in and beat them. I like how Taylor knows the percentage of the fantasy league. <laughs> hey, listen, the thing with that gigalus fantasy league, there were so many entries that it's a real, you guys like data. That's a really good sample of the room, right? It wasn't just like a podcast with four guys on it. 
there was over 500 people on that thing. So it was a good chunk of sample size. And if you sign up on a powerlifting fantasy league, you're a powerlifting nerd. So you would think these are like people who are pretty invested. Yeah, right. 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 That's how I was thinking of it. I'm like, well, if you have, if you're taking the time out to actually do this, I was like, you guys know what's good. So why the fuck are you choosing him? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't get it. And again, if you're listening, Austin, I love you, man. Honestly, it's nothing against you guys. That is just how much I believe in our team and myself. And again, man, like we're going to continue to raise the bar. Like there's no other class that's doing what we've done. And again, I'm going to talk my shit because the data backs it up. Like there's no other class that has done what we have done. Why is it that we have an Austin? Why is it that we have a Michael? There's 83s don't have that. I almost beat the 83s. 93s. What did I come in? Third, fourth? I don't know. 105s. Same thing. I'm like, I just don't understand. I really don't. And it it does. It gets it gets so frustrating, man. Because I still have doubters and haters, and it, it, it's always going to be there, and I get it. Um, but next time, you guys, hopefully, when you hold your your fantasy, it's ninety nine point nine 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 nine. What troll would that say? It'll be Jason trying to keep you humble. He's like, this guy wants to open a you know three hundred fifty kilo. I you know, please guys, right? But um. Yeah, I, you know what? To an extent, I think anyone who's saying stuff like, like anyone who who hears to the extent that you guys go, if they're making fun, like I think to a level, people usually talk shit out of insecurity. I think either athletes or with coaches or the coaches themselves who are talking shit probably don't do all these, pull all these stops, have like, so when someone's like, fucking, I heard, um, you know, Atwood has a velocity meter on his and I heard they're doing, you know, all of the graphs and all the data you have and all the different coaching that you have underneath um, Jason at the head coaching of a team of people. And like, yeah, when they're back there, they have all these guys around stuff. And if you don't have that, you need a reason to not have that. And if you're the coach, not doing that for your clients, you need a reason to not be doing that for your clients. So when people come to you, you have to say, it's not necessary. You don't need that. That's, that's all you can do. That's all you can do because even if you got that data, you probably wouldn't know what to do with it. And, and you know, people aren't going to say that. That's too much. You know, they're not going to be like, I don't know how to fucking read the velocity. I don't know. What am I going to do with this? I've never worked this before. You know, most of these people didn't go to school for any of this. I talked to freaking Jason about the strength guys who they're taking on and their resumes are ridiculous, man. Like these people like go to university for it. They're not just intuitively making programs from what worked previously. Like, um, it's intense, man. And there is a leveling of process. That's why it's good that you hop on podcasts and like reveal a little bit of like a little bit about it. And when, when you talk your confidence, you know, we're like, where does this confidence come from? It's like, I got an idea. He probably is looking around being like, Oh damn, you guys not yet. <laughs> not yet. Who's coaching you. Who's handling you. Who's what are you guys doing? I don't know if you're going to be the guy to beat me then. Not yet. Anyways, not yet. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a quote by Jeff Bezos who, when he met Warren Buffett, he's like, why doesn't everyone just follow your investment advice? It's so easy. (laughs) (laughs) You could become a fucking millionaire. And it's like, I come on to here and we're revealing a lot of what 
goes behind the scenes. And I'm not afraid to do that. One, because I think that I, I, I truly do. I think Joey hit on this. Joey Flex. Um, I want to leave a legacy. I really do. And I, I don't want to just go down as uh, the strongest ever. What, what I think holds more weight is not only the strongest, but we were doing things that others weren't doing. And we were going against the grain and we were trying different models and strategies and what did and what didn't work. And we were at the forefront of it. That's, that's cool. That's where you're, you're, you're like uncharted territory. You don't know what the fuck is going on. And I didn't know what velocity-based training was until I met uh, Jordan Burke and Arian um, with, with Open Barbell um, or Rep 1. Was it Open Barbell before? Yeah, it was originally called Open Barbell. Open Barbell, right? Uh, so I, I didn't know what that was. Jason um, was like, do you want to start using this? We can start doing some research on it. And I was like, yeah, why not? So he, Jason being Jason fucking did his research, man. And now we're, we've implemented a ton of velocity into our programming. Uh, and I'll tell you when I was in the warmup room, um, I, I think 255 was our last warmup on squat and 255 previously, like throughout the prep was moving around and those who have velocity will know those who don't won't. Um, but it was moving around like 0. 0.33, 0. 0.34, uh, velocity. When I, <laughs> when I hit it on meat day, 255, it moved at 0. 0.45. Oh shit. And that is 0. 0.1 milliseconds faster than it's ever moved. So like from a confidence booster, just knowing objectively, okay, this felt great. No the numbers are saying that this felt great too. And that's when I was like, I talk, I turned to my dad. He's like, is it on? I was like, Oh, it's on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on to your bridges. This is going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's when I like, again, there's certain things where I want to make sure that every stone is unturned and we're, we're continuing to do that. We're going to continue to do that. And uh, if people want to poke fun or poke holes at it, fine. That's fine. That's fine. Um, you can take these mediocre lifters who are going to make progress anyway and keep your hat on that. Mm. But you'll never be number one like we are. <laughs> we're, we're innovating differently than what most powerlifting coaches and, and strength groups are doing. Um, and we're going to continue. And we're going to continue to make make noise here so it, it is um it's encouraging like with everything you've done you find this velocity track which by the way hearing we're going to talk afterwards and i'm going to fucking get one <laughs> 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 like, this is totally unexpected but i need a promo code by the end of this period <laughs> if you could make some phone calls thank you um but uh it's it's encouraging there you there go, you go. There you go. Product i can placement. send you my beautiful <laughs> wow, wow that's discouraging for yourself <laughs> but i appreciate um but for you to be like no we're adding new tools constantly like we're not here's the thing too like sometimes people get big they hear something new and their knee-jerk reaction is to like 
I don't use it. So you want to put it down or be like, nah, you don't need that. Or you hear a lot of that. There's a lot of ego. There's a lot of, and it's mostly based out of insecurity where you find something new, even though you are who you are already, you've already won best lifter at the world championship. So not only did you wait in your weight class, but you beat every single other champion and lifter that was there. And then you're still like, what's this philosophy tracker? You hit up Jason who is as into this kind of stuff. I mean, he's, he works with professionals like the Calgary flames and, you know, like he's in this man, this isn't something he does on the side. And you're like, I want to add this. And Jason's like, let me do some research and we're going to add it because leveling up. It's not, let me put holes in it. No, we don't need it's let me do research. Let me see. And we keep moving mid when you stop, that's when people are going to start catching up to you. Um, so what is a culture? Maybe Jason, you speak on that. Yeah. Like I had a talk with, um, a company out of the Netherlands. They're called, uh, oral muscles and, and they're making, uh, EMG. So, uh, basically detect the, uh, electrical activity going on beneath the skin. So you put it on your on your quad and it'll tell you the electrical activity that's happening in your quad. And that correlates somewhat to the amount of muscle activation that you're having, that's happening in the quad. And we're talking about how this could be potentially useful in uh, medical practice um, with the Calgary Flames. I'm like, you want me to bring it in for a practice? And we could hook it up underneath their, their padding and. I can monitor from the bench or something and, and see how it looks like because they they did it with uh some of the speed skaters over in the in the netherlands speed skating is huge in the netherlands so uh and that was their case study and i was like this is really interesting and, and i was like so like why do you guys want to uh get into get into powerlifting and because i'm like powerlifting is a, a self-funded sport and I don't know how many clients will be able to uh, afford this, right? As of now, there's there's no contracts for being a lifter. There's not a lot of money that you win um, unless you're the best of the best, where even then, right, it's not going to pay your salary in New York City, uh, for say. And he's like, well, I, I think tremendous things are happening in, in powerlifting. And I, I think it's one of the most innovative sectors of of sports science and biomechanics research. Like if you look at strength and conditioning, what's the basis of that squat, bench press, deadlift, and then you got your Olympic lifts, of course, and your track and field. But um, I think powerlifting is such a, a hot pocket for innovation science with, now we have velocity trackers, right? You have uh, load management. It's literally like one of the most perfect scenarios which you can conduct load management research. And I talked to the guy who, uh, he's actually done two PhDs on load management, not one. Uh, his name's Tim Gabbett out of Australia. I was like, Tim, like, would you hop on a call with me and, and take a look at my training system and, and kind of point us in the way of, of what can make it better in the future? It's like, sure. And, and so I, I showed him and, and he was, he was really impressed. It's like, you know, I powerlifting is such an amazing situation because what you're training is what you're competing with. See, so like you're training versus a competition. It's, it's such a direct carryover. Whereas in any other sport, like you can, 
make the most fit team of hockey players in the world. But if they're out of sync on the ice, they can get blasted six nothing, mm-hmm. right? So there's there's no correlation really between strength and conditioning and, and game results. And, and trust me, we've tried to run the correlations. There's none. <laughs> so uh, it's it's not there. Like MA, right? Whereas in powerlifting, the way that you train versus the results that you get, like man, it's, it's very closely related to one another. And when you get that scenario, it's 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 so innovative. And I, I think it's uh, I hope that people will take this stuff more seriously and, and take the opportunity that you have as a powerlifting coach in 2021 seriously. Because if you look at where this sport was in 2014, 2015, where it is now, to where it's potentially going a decade from now, like you have the Sheffield coming on, world championships, more countries, more money, like in a professional arena in Sweden last time we were there. Like it was something that was really fucking cool like it was legitimate you know it's like well um it's only going to get more competitive uh top talent is only going to continue to enter the sport but you have a real opportunity right now to like put your stamp on something and to uh to innovate to create create a better way because i think right now a, a lot of our sport is is stuck in the West Side versus the World documentary. Right? It's about <laughs> oh, help us. the guy before he lifts, and and you know how uh, how loud he can grunt and and uh, being ready 365 days a year. And it's like no, it's it's not right. Like the science has evolved a lot beyond that, and the opportunities that we have right now, right, I think, are really quite special. Uh, so I, I, for us, professionalism is. Uh, it's so important. And again, professionalism is putting your client in the best possible position to succeed. And that's why we innovate as much as we do, because uh, I think it's necessary. And I think everyone in our group thinks it's necessary. It's, it's You're like contacting people on the other side of the world with two PhDs to prove your work. It's like, of course you did, Jason. This is exactly what Jason Tremblay does. This is not, I don't bad an eye. If, if there are some other strength coaches that if they told me this, I'd be like, holy fuck, you do? How did you even find this person? When you tell me this, I'm like, yeah, well, I would have assumed yeah, that. No shit. <laughs> yeah, no shit. This is what you do on a Saturday night. You're like, you probably called them off on a Saturday night. Like, Can I talk to you about Taylor's hamstring? the guys in australia like what time is it there go to sleep man everything's fine i've read your i've read your loads and you're fine but um you know it's funny when when uh taylor was talking about um you know what your total was compared to the other weight classes and it's kind of like if people were like yeah but because because right now i feel like the strength guys you're at a point where you you're starting to prove just how far ahead you guys are right as a whole and this is a kudos to you too Arian, because i've seen your roster and you perform really well on on the top end and it also goes like yeah a guy like Arian can't get involved unless jason fully vets you but um i think there you guys are going to start obviously taking on some big clients now because eventually people are going to start saying time to level up and some lifters are going to start saying i'm not I, i'm going on with the strength guys like these guys are, are are going all in and it's not just some intuitiveness to it um, but if people right now would be like, well, who, who'd you have for 83? Taylor Atwood. <laughs> he, he, oh, did you see what he meddled at 83? <laughs> who, 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 
who was your 93 in the U.S. Nationals? Taylor Atwood, bro. <laughs> it's, it's fucking right up to the supers. I think he was in the top five. Like, it's like, we're good, man. What do you, we can do this all day. What do you want from us? We, we, we're efficient to a T. We just need one guy, right? <laughs> we just racking up points like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the U.S. Raw Nationals, like meet day um, mm. as it's, as it's unfolding. I mean, when we pull this up, I'm going to pull up the uh, scorecard. Can you guys, you guys want me to share this with you for a second here? You guys yeah, remember sure. how it unfolded? I have it memorized. I bet you did. <laughs> Listen, man, um, when Taylor was talking about like a random day and you're like, Taylor, with all due respect. So the numbers were actually, and you rattled <laughs> off his numbers and Taylor's like, no, fuck yes. He's like, all right, I'll take your word for it over mine because you this meant something to you. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you had literally the most perfect day, obviously 275, 290, and then 303 on squats. The only blemish was the uh, 200 kilo like round even bench, but you- Yeah, we got to talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Cause um, it flew and I was like, I, I didn't have the sound. And I was like, what the fuck? That flew though. What happened? Um, yeah, so I would say, again, it's my fault. I, uh, in training, I didn't practice that long of a pause. So it was it was almost neuromuscular at that point where but that was that was also part of the training strategy. Like we were pushing you so hard and your sets were so difficult that you couldn't. So it's also it's a little bit my fault as well, right? Yeah, it, it, we'll we'll clean it up next meet. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's okay, fellas. You're both trying to fall on the sword and be honorable. It's like that's not the point of what we're getting at. <laughs> Arian um, goes, Well, I was a new guy on the team, so if someone's got to take the bullet, I'm like, All right. <laughs> we're good, we're good, fellas. Uh, so I, yeah, it is my fault. I should I should have practiced keeping it on my chest longer. However, you guys need to tell me what are the side judges for on bench. You mean, I, I mean, as, as far as referees, I know people think this, but all referees are supposed to look at everything. Now, I don't know if they were trying, if they said they heard the press command or they saw the referee bring their hand up, but they should be looking for everything. Okay. So <laughs> I had one of them looking at my foot. So I had a longer um, uh, start command than necessary because my foot wasn't on the ground. So she red lighted me on my first attempt. Um, so I, I fixed it on the, on the second and it absolutely flew. So come to my uh, third attempt of 200, I was like, this is in the fucking bag. Um, 195 flew. Uh, we all, we're only going five kg more. Um, I hit 197 and a half and feeling the way that I was feeling. Again, with the velocity tracker, it was moving really well. I was like, this is one kg over uh, October. I was training on a different bench now. I wasn't training on a fat pad. I was like, I'm, I'm, I thought I was ready. So I, I get under the bar. I, I bring it to my chest. I knew that it was close to, cause I heard the press, but I don't think like we, Jason and I were, were messaging back and forth about this. I don't think the bar came to a full stop. Mm. So I kind of sunk it to my, sunk it in my chest 
and thought that it was like, okay, I'm done. And then I just, I timed it perfectly uh, because I started pressing once I heard. (laughs) 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 Um, But I, I don't, I don't. So I heard someone say, maybe Angelo say that I tried timing the bench press. I don't try timing the bench press. Um, I, I, I listen to the press command and, and sometimes honestly there's people in the crowd who are yelling because there's people benching on the other where I'm trying to listen to the guy behind me, but sometimes I'll take it as there's someone else. Oh, press. Oh, oh okay. Um, now I'm not saying that is what happened this time, but um, there was a lot of noise as well, uh, which threw me off a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say, it was it was as close as they come in terms of it could have gone either way. I'm not upset about it. I was I was a little because I knew that I could have beat Russ in the mm-hmm. 83s. And that's where it kind of bit us in the ass. Uh, and no disrespect to Russ, he's he's a he's a dog too. But I, I like I didn't I didn't even realize that that was gonna come into play at all. I was just thinking like I wanted to hit 200 that has been like our milestone for a very long time. So knowing that it moved that well, I was happy that it was just a technical issue. It wasn't a strength issue. So it's just stuff we'll clean up in in our next meet. But uh, that, that like going into the lift, I was uber confident that I was going to be able to do it. You hit a big number in training afterwards too. (laughs) Was that (laughs) after? Yeah, Yeah. it was, it was on a fat pad. Um, I, I still th- I still think it gives you it gives you a few kgs but uh nonetheless yeah I we made a lot more progress than I thought well apparently dude because that was 10 kgs over and, and a lot cleaner um so I hit 205 before and this was like before uh October last year um so I hit 205 on the fat pad but it was ugly as hell and that 215 I was like I could have gone to 20 if I, no, I'm not even kidding. If I, if uh, I, I was like, all right, I'm calling it quits. I'm not getting greedy, but I was like, I want to go to 20. <laughs> Dude, it's going to turn into the race to 500. If we don't settle down, we got time. But yeah, yeah. Man, we talk about the 83s. Like I'm looking it up. The American record for the 83s is 215 and the world record for the 83s is 218.5. So like you don't cut weight, you, you pause, and you're right there with the world record. Holy <laughs> sugar, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people shoot themselves in the foot by maxing out or lifting heavier than they should prior to a meet. It really fucks with your expectations for the meet. And sometimes it can mess with your coach's expectations for the meet. If you do these things on a fat pad, uh, when you're heavy, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, not after squat, like you're inflating expectations to a level that's that's not realistic, right? Like I, I think we can clean up our, our bench press training and put another good cycle together. Like we're looking at between two hundred five to two ten, like a year from now, and I, I think that would be like a obviously like I think closer. 
to 205 is a more realistic rate of progress, but I, I'm not saying that 210 is impossible, right? <laughs> especially with how this, this, this year has gone, right? I was saying on our intern meeting, I only lowball people in three scenarios. One is a beginner, two is an injured person, and three scenarios. <laughs> I do three is going to be Taylor. <laughs> But, but imagine if it was the other way around. Imagine if you gave him the heavy single before the meet and he did the 215 like a week out or two weeks out. Oh. And then and based off that 215 on the fat pad with like touching, you're like, yo, let's open up 200. That's yeah. like the expectation some others come, come in with. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's faulty, right? Because you got you to gotta check yourself with all of the advantages that you gave yourself when you hit that amazing lift, you know, and that's not competing. Again, that's that's projecting that what you do in training is a one-to-one carryover to what's going to happen on the platform. And it's it's not that, right? Like, I think if you're preparing for the sport and you are um, carrying a lot more fatigue, you're training specifically and, and with good technique, and, you know, you've, you've got your nutrition variables in check, uh, what you do in training should amplify should grow on the platform right that's peaking so like with taylor coming down the stretch on bench press that's cool man like he's he's really beat up but matt gary was sending these warm-ups and, and you see the last warm-up and, and you know right away like honestly by the time i saw taylor's last warm-up on squad i'm like yeah he's he's on and it's it's gonna be a really good day right and after opener you're like yep yeah. But saw his last warm up on bench press, and I'm like, yeah, it's it's there today, you know. Like that one day of the year during those three hours when you're competing, that's when you need to shine because that's the only opportunity you've got to become a national champion. Doesn't fucking matter what you've done in training before or after, right? And so, I think that's a lot of people shoot themselves in the foot with those crazy ass top sets. And I know you love posting them, Ryan. Doggy. Um, it, it listen, it what makes it even more of a tease is my your, your boy sliding in my DMs will take a look at this, and I'm like, oh god damn it, Taylor, that's a juicy deadlift, and he's like, ultimate tease, yeah, he's like, keep it to yourself, just now. the tip, Ryan, yeah, exactly. Oh, Taylor, you gotta stop showing me these in my DMs, bro. I, I, I had to block him for a little bit, it was getting too much. I, I was all in my DMs waiting for it, but um, yeah, I, I agree, I think. A lot of times, especially if you don't have like the way you talk, like you would be because you're so analytical, Jason, and the way you like you, you, you invest so much in so much research, you'd be a difficult guy to talk out of. Like if I'm just full of enthusiasm and you're full of like facts and stats and data and you're like, my man, you got to trust me. And it's like, all right, I'm, I'm in. Um, but you're right. I think and I think a lot of people may not have sounding boards like that. Or maybe if they do have sounding boards like that they're not coming from your background education and all the data you pulled. So maybe they don't even fully trust the could They tell that they start doing things like I'm going to fuck around a little bit because you know, what does he know? He's just pulling back the reins, but he doesn't feel what I feel, but it's different. If you're like, you got to trust me on this one. Um, I do want to mention, so let's, let's move on to the deadlifts first off before we get to, uh, we get ahead of ourselves here. So the deadlifts were moving. Were you guys stopping and looking back at any point by the time bench press rolled around? I'll be totally honest. When, when, um, when you squatted 303, I was like, holy shit, is that a wrap already? And I posted it 
and Lane Norton slid in there and was like, that's a wrap, son. And his his comment in in the on the comment section got like 500 likes in like 20 minutes and I pinned it and people were like, well, well the, the battle's over now. It's going to be how far is Taylor going to push it? Because it was startling. Like, were you guys already like, okay, I think it, I think, or, or were you still like, put your foot on the gas? Like, nah, it's not over yet. Either one of you guys could talk how you feel. Taylor probably is like, it was over. Jason was probably sweating bullets right to the end. <laughs> well, That's what I, I think. I was, I was watching Russ because I, I thought knowing Taylor, he would want to win. Uh, and I was also, before the meet, I crunched <laughs> out because I, I knew what was possible. I crunched out what total would we need to be like by any metric you want to throw at us, uh, by if you're on steroids, use wraps, if you have a 24-hour win, if you squat with the squat bar, deadlift with the deadlift bar, like, don't care. Like, any metric, what, what number do we need on our total to be the best out of that? And I, it sounded kind of ridiculous, like, Taylor's like, ah, whatever. Like, he didn't, like, really, like, pay much mind to it before the meet, but I... I thought it would be important to him after. And it was important to me after, right? Like I've, I've trained Taylor since 2014 and we've gone through a lot of shit together. I'm, I'm, I'm very fallible. I've made a lot of mistakes in my career and uh, I try to, I try to be open uh, and to learn from others and surround myself with a great team, which we have here at the strength guys and, and also with the interns who work with us. But I've made a lot of mistakes and uh, the rule to myself is that I can only make that mistake once and then I've got to learn from it, right? And so you just learn. And I think with, um, I think with Taylor, it's just like coming into this meet, I knew it would mean something to us at the end of the day if we could just say even for a, a fraction of time, because records are made to be broken, that we were the best no matter what. And so I run the numbers and after bench, we needed something like a 335.5 deadlift to do it. So I was like, fuck, like you go any heavier than that, like no 74 is lifted within this weight. Like this is like 83 kilo world record already we're talking like, and I'm telling Matt, like, this is all we need. Like, I'm pushing Matt, like, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. And he's like, no, nope, we're going three. <laughs> <Matt's like, laughs> and Matt turns to Taylor and he's looking at Taylor's looking at dad's away, man. It's just me. You. <laughs> so I, I'm sitting here uh, locked up in my fucking war station in Calgary on house arrest watching the meet. And 340 goes on lifting gas. Here we go, right? Like, if we miss this, none of that's there, right? Like, oh, like, dude, PR, that's it. Make it fucking like history. And I was, so we, we still had some stuff at play for sure. And I was like, hey, like, if we made the bench actually like chip Russ a second on, on if, he, if he misses his third deadlift, which is the scenario that everyone's mentioning. And, um, so yeah, there, there was still stuff at stake that we had on our game plan, uh, even though Taylor didn't want to listen. 
Dude, it's so funny. Let me just say, because I'm going to throw it to Taylor in a second about what was going on in the warm-up room with Matt. First off, Matt must have been, he's such a powerlifting nerd. For him to have been able to, I say affectionately because I love the guy. For him to have been able to have handled the greatest powerlifter giving his greatest performance ever on that day was probably like a guy being able to drive a Lamborghini when he has no business with his salary to be driving that Lamborghini test driving it. Like he was probably called fuck. Yeah. I'm glad COVID happened right now. It all makes sense. Right? Like, I got, I'm handling Taylor's numbers. And it, when you were like, I, th- I think three thirty-five, and Matt's like, I'm gonna fucking Lamborghini. Right now. <laughs> he's, he's like, With all due respect, officer, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the pedal to the floor. We're going 340. It's such a good story, better story. But it's so funny that back in Calgary, you had crunched all these numbers because that infographic came up within like minutes, and I'm like, who? What the hell? Like you had like, oh by the way, and it was like greatest 74 kilo tested, untested wraps, in wraps, greatest Wilkes, greatest good lift points, greatest like it was like a laundry list of like, okay, this was like well, like a, such a Jason Tremblay <laughs> type of tons of data post up within minutes. So yeah, I guarantee you were so like everything's mapped out in that last deadlift. You're like, holy shit, Matt. I know Taylor feels good today. I wish I was there, but all's well ends well. T- Taylor, what was happening in the background on your end? Was What was the conversation where you're like, we're going all in or? <laughs> so we opened up with uh, 305. And again, like, I- the way I was making 300 move and training the way that I was feeling again. And I'm, I keep coming back to how I was feeling because that is like the catalyst of how I knew I would come in like just uber prepared. Um, so the way that deadlifts were moving throughout training, I was like, man, I think we can hit like 350. And I even text Jason that I'm like, we're like, I can hit 340 plus easy, easy. So that was just all that had been in my mind. I was envisioning it. I was like, I'm going to do this 340, like 340 plus. That's it. So we opened up with 305. I knew it was going to fucking fly and it did. So then we go 325 and a half. I think that was the national record. Uh, yep. That was Eric's. Um, and the way that I, again, I moved 325 in the gym, I was just confident that it was going to move that well again. And it did. So Matt comes to me. My dad's standing there too. And he's like, you want 340 and a half? Because <laughs> 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 that, that was our 3A attempt. And if Jason was there, we probably would have went 335 and a half. <laughs> um, but it was our 3A attempt. And Matt, I think, like, we had our strategy called maybe a week out, Jason, was it? Yeah. And we were talking as a uh, Jason, Matt, and I, and we were discussing what we were going to do from a strategy perspective. And we all agreed to 340 and a half, or 340. Um maybe 340 and a half. I don't know, but we agreed on that number, half a kilo, but, uh, we agreed to it. And what Matt said on the call was there's not another lifter 
that I don't trust anymore. He's like, you are that guy. He's like, you're the only lifter that I will truly trust. When you say that you're on, on game day, he's like, you're the only one that I believe. <laughs> and, and that's not a, that's not shade to any of his other lifters, any, anyone. He's just said, you have something different. And I, listen, I don't know what it is, but I know I have something different on game day. It's, it is what it is. Um, I just, I, I can't explain it. Some people are meant to fucking be the best in the world at something. And I'm just meant to be the best powerlifter. So on game day, like <laughs> when he said you want 340 and a half, I was like, let's fucking go. He's like, you better fucking show me. Like, he <laughs> really? that. He's like, you better like, fucking show me. He He's swore. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. that is huge. Yeah. And and look, there was only two times that Matt has ever done that to me. So uh, the first time was at 2016 Worlds, third bench. We put on 190 and we were supposed to go 187 and a half. And <laughs> I had the entire prep again. I had 190 in my in my head, like we're hitting 190, we're hitting 190. And uh, they wanted to go 187 and a half. I was like, no, put 190 on the bar. Put 190 on the bar. And I'm telling Susie this. And Matt's like, you better fucking show me. You better show me. <laughs> oh, no, this is- <laughs> and I'm like, I got you, Matt. I got you. And then, and then the second time was this one. He's like, you want 340 and a half? I was like, I want 340 and a half. He's like, you better fucking show me. <laughs> and so it was it was, replayed itself again and um kudos to him he, he he again he he believed in me uh i believe in myself i had an inkling of a doubt that <laughs> it wasn't going to be there but when i when i and i i didn't think it was going to be due to grip either because a lot of i, I think uh where's bill at man he said <laughs> he said i was going to miss on grip I, my grip, we've we threw we've thrown in a lot of grip work, um, so my grip strength is is great. Uh, so I didn't think I was gonna miss it on grip. I was just gonna think I was tired and I wasn't able to do it, just ba- based on strength. But so we throw on three forty and a half, man. And my dad's in the back, and he's like, "These motherfuckers think that." I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into it actually. <laughs> I'm not going to go into it. It's not like it's going to be good. <laughs> nope, it's not gonna like it's going to be good. I can't do it. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it between him and I. Your um, autobiography in five years, you got to put maybe, it. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe. Uh, my dad keeps telling me I should. <laughs> so I just, I, I, I had a lot of confidence in myself though. Uh, the way 325 and a half moved, I was like, dude, 15 kilos is nothing. I was like, I like, I don't know. There was just this sense of, of, of clarity, um, confidence. Uh, it was just like, I was in, I was in a Zen moment. It really was before I went out and lifted my dad's sitting there. He's rubbing my shoulders. It was almost like, have you seen angels in the outfield? I don't think I have. (laughs) So long story short, uh, it's a baseball movie. And <laughs> this kid in the, in the stands sees angels and these angels oversee the baseball players. And when they do, the baseball players do something phenomenal. It was almost like, that's what it felt like. I had an angel there and it was my dad. He was just like 
Wusa, Zen. <laughs> and uh, I, I was just focused, dude. Like, I, I can't explain it any other, other way than I was just so focused and so confident. There was no way I wasn't going to get the weight. I wasn't going to lift the weight. So I go out to the platform and I'm so, again, just focused on the weight. Everyone kept asking me, like, did the lights bother you and this and that? And I'm like, what lights? <laughs> and I, when I say that, I'm not kidding. Like, everyone thinks that um, these lights were this big deal. And how could you lift with them and the crowd and, the ju- and this and that? When I get onto the platform, I am so laser focused. I block everything out. I don't know how I do it, but I do. And I'm, again, so focused on just listening to the commands that I, I just, once I hear it, it's, it's like, it, it, okay, done. So when I went out to the platform with 340 and a half, I was just, I checked both sides to make sure that it was loaded correctly because we only get one shot at this. Uh, so I made sure it was loaded correctly. And I was like, all right, let's tango. So I, I get up to the bar and I, again, I'm thinking I, I approach it just like every other lift. Um, it's, it's no different. And, and that's what I think a lot of people, they try to psych themselves up and do all these different things. And dude, you have to, <laughs> you have to just approach every lift as if it was the first, if it's practice, if it's a warm up. Uh, if it's the bar, if you're not even using the bar, you approach everything the same. Uh, if you try to deviate and try to psych yourself up and think that that's going to help you lift the weight, you've already lost. Um, so for me, I just approached it like I would any other lift. Um, and I, I put my hands on the bar. And once I got it to about my shins, I was like, it's done. It's over. (laughs) And that's when I started smiling because I knew it was going up. Um, my grip wasn't, it didn't give at all. And I was like, I, I honestly think I could have grinded out 350. Um, but the 340 and a half, like just moved so well, it was so clean. Um, like you hit the, you hit the sweet spot, uh, on a golf ball. So like, it just, it moved, nothing wavered. Uh, the, it, it just felt effortless, effortless. And I could have stood there all day with it. Dude, when you held it though, like when you got it up there, you held it there all the, and you flashed like that would smile that we see like all the time. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was like, it was, a, it, here's honestly, when I seen you load that up, I was like, is this just like a crazy, cause it was, it's crazy. It's absolutely a crazy number to throw on there. And I'm like, is he just throwing on this game is wrapped up. I'm going to throw on a YOLO, de- whatever YOLO deadlift to have a little fun. Um, you know, and sometimes you see that when someone's just totally like, fuck it, let's throw on a crazy dead. And it, when you hit that, it's like, this guy can't, someday someone isn't going to miss. Like, it's just one of those days where like, you're watching somebody who, um, when you say like I was in the zone and I just felt like I could feel it, like it doesn't matter what's on the bar right now. People could say that shit, but they're and it's like, all right, cool. You just kind of right, give, give that person that. 
but there's other times when you're watching and you're like, this is insane, man. You believe it. Like the 340, I couldn't believe what I was watching, man. It was um like I can't tell you how hyped I was, you know, and, and I was like, oh, holy shit, everyone's crunching numbers. Like for a brief moment in time, you held the 83 kilo total record. Do you know that? Like you literally were not only everything that Jason just said on his infographic, but you were also the 80, the best 83 kilo lifter of all time, of all time, um, as a 74. It's, it was insane. I couldn't, but that's why it's like, like, is this, what the fuck is happening right now? You know, uh, if people don't realize like there, we have seen people a weight class below with a total higher than a weight class above only if the person in a weight class above was having a rough day and was able to put in a slower, to a lower total to win it. We haven't seen like watching someone. No, no, it's not that he broke the record 80, no 83 kilo alive had put forth what you did at 74. Like that was like not a rough day, a, a, not a rough day above. It was like all time, man. It was crazy. It was crazy to watch. And um, I, I don't know. I, when, when it happened and you put that down, like, I don't even know if you knew what your total was at at that point. You had to have known it was ridiculous. <laughs> but um, what were you thinking? Were you like, when you, I just, everyone's seen the video, the SPD does amazing videos, throwing yeah. your hands up. Was it just like, walk me through how you felt, turn around, see your dad, the other competitors out back, talking to Jason, because fucking Jason was crying like a baby in Sweden. Sorry, Jason, but it's true. <laughs> and um, can, can you, I mean, hopefully that was a privilege, but like, <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me, tell me what happened there, because this was a moment, man. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know the magnitude of the lift. I didn't realize that I had just almost beat the 83s. I didn't know that until after everything was done and the 83s finished they were like dude you almost beat russ i was like did russ come in second like i didn't know so i was like I, I don't know what that means and they were like dude you totaled more almost than russ and he just won and I was, I was sitting there like, ah, whatever, it is what it is. And then when I saw that I missed it because of my fucking third bench, I could have beat him. I was like, fuck. You turned fuck. to the ref. Get your words out quicker, my man. You, <laughs> how long does it take to say press? <laughs> like, um, Go clear your throat before you say press next time, bro. Well, that's the thing is he gave me the white light. So I was pissed that the front judge gave me the white light and two the side judges who should be watching my ass and feet anyway. <laughs> um, no, I, I won't give him shit. But uh, what was going through my mind after was like, I can't believe I just did, I did that. Uh, I surprised myself, to be honest. I didn't think I was going to be able to be that strong. I really, like, I knew I had it in me. But until you actually realize that strength, it's all theory. Mm. Like, but when we realized it, when I actually lifted that weight, I mean, I did it in the gym on uh, Texas Power Bar on pound plates. I did 770, which was 349 or something. So I knew like I was strong as hell, but get on a stiff bar, kilo, squat, bench, deadlifting twice before, long meat, 
travel, like so many variables. You don't know if you're going to be that strong or not on, on meet day. You don't know if you tapered correctly. Uh, so there were just so many things that could have gone wrong, but they didn't. <laughs> uh, it, it all aligned, the stars aligned. So afterward, I it just was like a, it was a, a huge accomplishment. Again, I didn't realize, I knew that I had now broken every barrier because I knew that the total, uh, I didn't, I, I thought that the 83 would have been way cooler too, but. Um, well, for a moment, you broke that record though. Cause you finished before him and that was yours. Yeah. In that yeah. brief moment. Next time I'll just drink some, like some water before I weigh in and just. <laughs> We're going to get that conversation in a minute. <laughs> Hold on. Put a pin in that one. Um, so yeah, I, I, it was like, it was surreal, man. Um, and some of the, you saw me put my hands up. I was just in awe of myself. And as, as selfish as that may sound and, and cocky or whatever it is, like, I couldn't believe what we had just accomplished. And I just stood there, like, with my hands up, like, we just did this, man. Like, <laughs> I, 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 you just sit there and you're like, I can't, I can't believe this just happened. Um, like three, and I'm, I'm a, we're imperial, so I, I do everything pounds. It's like a 750-pound deadlift, like at 74, 163 pounds, less than 163. I was, I was just sitting there like, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> and when I got into the back room, I, I had to sit down, and I'm like, I can't believe I just did that. Like, that's, this is insane. Um so I had a lot of like, just, I was in amazement of the accomplishments we just made as a group. Um, because I, I again, <laughs> I'm sure I, I left Jason sleepless many nights. Uh, I'm the best worst client. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a really good term. <laughs> I think it's, I, you're the worst best client yeah probably <laughs> probably works both ways <laughs> best client yes um but it, again what jason i think put it so perfectly like he he put the metaphor when i passed out he's like you've literally left everything out on the platform with this meat prep like you just passed out like you've given it your all now let's just go out and do what we we're supposed to do um, and, and that's what I did. So I, I just appreciate it. it. There were a lot of just appreciation moments going through my mind of like how blessed I was, how grateful, um, like it, it was just a great feeling, a great feeling. And, and what about the reception from the other 74s? Arian had said, um, in the back, like they were approaching you like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> You know, to us, to an extent, all right, you go in there for a battle, it's going to be a battle, etc. But even after a while, when you're a competitor, when you see a fellow competitor do something like that, you got it, you can't help but be like, all right, man, fuck it. I mean, I did what I did, but um, holy smokes, man, like you got to give kudos. Did they were they approaching you as well? And yeah, and it's it's uh, it was it was uh, Austin, Mike, Eric, um. I, 
I don't know. Like there's, there's a certain camaraderie and uh, I'm trying to be better at it, but it's just the competitor in me. Uh, I don't like not want to be friends with you. That's not, that's not it because the reason why I even started in powerlifting again was because of Scott Sullivan in Minnesota, my first powerlifting meet ever, he helped me beat him. So like that, that's what the sport is about. However, that was at a local meet, you know, and this isn't an, this, it wasn't a national meet. It wasn't a world meet. Like it was a local meet. So it would mean more to me if like, okay, if we're at a, a local meet, I'm willing to help whoever the, like, I'm, I'm going to help whoever I have to help. But when it comes to a national meet or a world meet, personally, I'm not there to be your friend. I'm really not. And you can, if the other 74s are listening to this, like you take that as it is, but um, I, I'm not there to be a friend. I'm there to beat you. And that is just how I approach things. And I've turned off a lot of people from that. And like the 74s, they have their group and they're all friends and they probably have their DMs and, and chat with each other. Like, that's all cool. <laughs> uh, but I have my team, you know? Uh, I, I remember at Denver Raw Nationals, Bryce Lewis came in with a Tupperware pool. <laughs> he baked and he said hey like you guys want some cookies and and i took one and taylor's like no i'm trying to fuck with me before my competition (laughs) (laughs) i listen uh, man it's my football background it really comes from football Uh, you just learned to hate the other opponent like that's what it was there wasn't friends like if we saw the other if we saw one of the other team at another party or something there was a fight that was going to break out Holy shit! i'm not kidding it was that like we just it was that type of environment so if if we knew it was a different party and it was from another school we always knew people from other schools but we were like is the football team there mm. no nah, we're not going and we did something else um that's that's just how florida was and that's how it is in sports it's like it's a rivalry amongst every school um so that's like when i get into the powerlifting realm and bryce is coming around with fucking cookies i'm like no i don't want your fucking cookies what do you what do you mean you're like uh, who do you have as a 74 in your roster <laughs> what, what are you doing here <laughs> yeah you, you got laxatives in these or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm, I'm literally thinking that i'm like i'm not eating cook your cookies uh and bless his heart too because he, he's uh he's a great competitor as well but um I, I didn't want his cookies on in, in aurora yeah uh, jason probably had three of them though so let's let's be honest <laughs> taylor's like wipe the fucking cookie what are you doing man <laughs> solidarity come on man so in terms of like uh just being a competitor that's what i wish we would have more of you know um i think like what this sport is is going towards or what it's going to be um i don't know i I don't know maybe we change that and and we are friends and we're cheering each other on to beat each other 
maybe that's the new norm. I don't know. Um, it's just not the, not how I was brought up, not how I was raised. Uh, another fun fact, <laughs> we're getting ready to warm up. Matt Gary, there's six platforms in the back. So three here, three in the back. And then they had a curtain before you walked out in your little area before you walked out onto the platform. So in the warm-up room, um, the two platforms off to the right, when you walk into the venue or the warm-up room, those were probably the least traffic. Like no one was going to F with you in those corners. So Matt, before the meet, he was like, hey, go try to see if you can get those two platforms so we can warm up on because that's the least amount of traffic. You don't get bothered by anyone. I was like, okay, cool. So in the corner, Joe um stanick he him and like maybe like 12 lifters were on that corner platform so i was like all right i'm not going over there and then <laughs> the one that i was going to go on it was austin i think rich uh richard cho and maybe some others holy and, shit really <laughs> yeah and uh i came over and i was like yeah I didn't know that Ricky was going to be there. I was like, I'll warm up with Austin, whatever. It is what it is. So I go sit down. And if Austin, you're hearing this, this is he, I'm sure he remembers. But go sit down. He's like, yeah, Rich, uh, uh, Ricky's going to be here. Um, and then uh, he's like, I'm going to be here too. So I'm like, oh, no, it's all good. It's all good. I'll, I'll sit right here. My dad's sitting next to me. And he kind of looks at me like, what? <laughs> <laughs> all right and so <laughs> a couple minutes go by and i'm not even kidding man like i had this weird feeling in my stomach and if it's one thing i always trust my gut always and i was like i it, it just doesn't feel right to be here right now so i was like fuck it I'm going to another platform. <laughs> so I, I went to the one next to where they were warming up, but I like, that's what, that's me. I can't warm up on the same platform that the guy that's trying to beat me um, is warming up on. Like, I, I just can't do it. It doesn't sit well with me. It, it's not in my DNA. It's not who I am as a competitor. And I wish there was more of that, like more rivals. I feel like right now there's more friends, which is cool. Like, again, I think that's probably the new norm. Like we're all here to be a, a, a big groupy love fest. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, for me, like uh, I'm a lone wolf. I really am. Um, and again, I don't want to turn everyone off to me from this podcast at all because I love, I, like, Austin, you're, you're a good dude, Mike, um, Eric, like, all my competitors, you guys are, I love you guys, because you make me better, you make us better, Kel, like, he made us better as a team, if we didn't lose to, in 2017, who knows what, it would, like, we wouldn't be where we're at right now, um, so, like, I, I appreciate them more, because they push us, but in terms of being a competitor, like I just on meet day being buddy, buddy, like, I don't know. It's just, it just doesn't sit right with me. So um, 
I, I do my best to to make sure that I'm not an asshole on game day. Like I'll be cordial with 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 them all, um, but I I can't like until the meat is done, we can have a cordial conversation. Yeah. Um, and, and I even told him, I was like, yo, the first round is on me, uh, Mike and, and Austin, because uh, I think they're old enough to drink now. <laughs> <laughs> Officially, you had to get that out the way. Um, well, people don't know, like you came, you were, when you were playing football, you played, did you not play in the CFL? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played like Canadian we, football. So in, in a conversation in a group chat, I remember talking to somebody and people talk about like, how athletic people are and how like competitive people are and Canadian football league. Like we have like, it's professional football, 30,000 people show up, you buy a ticket. Like it's, it's the real deal. Like this is like, you got freaks like the rock in there, but like, it's real, man. And someone's like, you know, Taylor who like five foot six Taylor played pro football. Like you think about, the type of toughness and competitiveness and the attitude you got to have. They're like six foot four, 300 pound giants in there, man. And this dude's hitting the platform with 30,000 people who paid to go see it. And it's like, it's different. Like when you talk about, you know, the, you're, you're not used to, you know, everybody being friends and whatnot, and you approach it from a different angle. I think if people knew your story and background and understand how competitive you are and the odds against you ha even having been able to do that is ridiculous. Like I, a buddy of mine met a CFL, like a player and these guys are huge, man. And um, like, you're not the rock. Like it's the rock. And <laughs> you know, it's like Taylor was out there. I can't, you, I can't conceive it, man. Cause I've been to the games and it's like, I can't freaking believe us uh, five, six, 160 pound dude. Like you were bigger at the time, but still like, it's just a different mentality, a different competitiveness and a different um, you're not hitting, hitting that field and knowing everything we know about football and how rough it is being like, we're going to be buddies and whatever you have to approach it differently. So then when you see that same dude later on doing the crazy feats of strength or whatever, it's just, it's kind of like we goes back to the programming. What it's if it's, it's what works for you. And you're like, I got to I got to get in my zone. This is what I got to be. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be polarizing. Some people are going to love it. And some people are going to hate it. And some people are going to, and I'm going to love that you hate it. And so I'm going to flash my smile and King Atwood, I'm the best and there it is. And you know what I mean? It, it is what it is, man. I, I don't think you should change. And I think there are going to be other people like you coming up. There is going to be a kid listening to this podcast who, who identifies and he's like, fuck, yeah, I want to be like Taylor Atwood, you know, I want to bring that intensity to that, you know, he's going to, he's going to tell his buddies program him, not a fuck enough, not enough. We're leveling up this week. You got to up your game, man. You're no Jason Trombley. You know what I'm saying? His, his, his buddy's like 19, like no shit, bro. <laughs> like, take it easy. But um, it's, it's funny because like, and I love several times, I don't know if, you just do intuitively. You didn't even know you're doing it, but you've said we a couple times here, like we did it. We managed. I think, I think we could have hit that pole. You say we, because, um, you know, people could say like, Oh, he's, he's arrogant. He's cocky. But how many fucking times have you said we, or how many times have you said like me and my team? And you've said like, I, I've known DMS. If someone comes at you or the training, you're like, when you come at my team, it's insulting. When you say this, like you, you know, 
it isn't like, like you've said, there's layers to this. You're a complex human being like most human beings are, but you, you share your victory and repeatedly have done this, you know? Um, and I don't know if you said that, but if someone listening to the podcast, I'm sure some people will have noticed you would say we every now and then when it was just you doing something, but uh, it was like everything else that's gone into it. And you have a fucking team, man. I couldn't imagine if you were like, all right, next six months, I'm going to program for myself. And we're good. I'm going to start doing my own scouting. We're good. And he'd be like, you know what I mean? Or like even just Jason. All right. It's just me. It's no one else. Like you guys are, if someone wants to say, yeah, but they're so cocky or whatever. No, but they're so humble. You know how fucking humble you got to be to be like, take the reins and you drive this. Um, everybody teams of five. It's confidence that's earned you know, and you can't approach the game any other way than, than you've been brought up in all your other competitive background. And if you tinker with one thing, it's, it's who knows what would have changed, man. Like your reaction to losing to, to chill at the world championship was like that, it, that doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, your competitive drive was like, it made you be like, we need to talk because that doesn't happen. You know, and they, like, like you, it made you level up. But what if you were a nice guy, Taylor? What if it was okay? What if it was, uh, oh man, we'll get him next year. Yeah, no, dog, it isn't gonna happen. What if you're shaking Chael's head like it's all good, doggy? And, uh, you know, while well, we did a good job, guys, like it's you can't, if you change one thing, you change everything. That's what I start. You appreciate when you get older in life is like, I wish this guy was, a little, you know, he's great like this. Why don't we just smooth some edges and you change one, you change it all, bro. You know, uh, it's just not the way it is. And um, and you and, and Jason are so different, but so alike. Uh, you're, you're alike in the places that you need to be in yeah. terms of um, the humbleness, like we need help. We Like Jason's the same as you though, right? He's like, well, let me outsource and grab this. Let me outsource and grab that. Let me reach out. Like, you know what I mean? But he's uber fucking confident. Like I will put my team against whatever. Like, you know, he knows what he's doing and he knows because of his background. But he's different in so many ways too. It's fucking. It's a great story, man. It's uh, you guys are. It's a. It's a really interesting team. But I'm glad. As soon as this happened, I was like, I've had. I've talked to. I've gotten to know you guys over the years, right? And I knew I wanted the podcast with you two on together, uh, to talk about the training, to talk about the performance, to to see the back and forth and the whole nine, and and to a large extent, I don't know if people know Jason enough, and they they should, but um, they sure as hell know you, and they sure as hell know Jason now. And, uh, and it's working, man. I, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm excited for the future. I just want to wrap. I just want to say that because it, it needed to be said. Because uh, we've talked about it in the DMs and you've, you've mentioned things like this. And I'm, ah, keep doing your thing, King. <laughs> keep doing your thing, King. Don't even fucking change a thing, man. Don't worry about it. Jason's gone through... Um, growth as well he I, I loved it he told me like man i showed up in a suit i was trying to be something i'm not and then <laughs> initially some embarrassed again i'm sorry if that was privileged information i'm fucking throwing <laughs> it. <laughs> just putting it all out there <laughs> i feel so good right now um but he's grown man and uh and you guys have grown together with it it's this beautiful thing so having said all that i posted i seen a meme and I posted a meme with a poll on it. And this meme, it was, you know, the meme that has the doors and it's the grim reaper had knocked on one door and he's about to knock on the other. And one door has got blood coming out. Are you good, Taylor? Yes. Yeah, okay, cool. 
Okay, cool. Um, so the meme was the one door that the Grim Reaper had already visited and bloodied up and took bodies was the 74s. The Grim Reaper was Taylor Atwood, <laughs> and he was about to knock on the door of the 83s. I posted that poll, and um, I didn't say, would he do it? Should he do it? No, nothing. Purposely. I just posted that meme. Yes, no. <laughs> and I just wanted people to interpret how you want to interpret, and let's see. And it was like a landslide. People were like, yes. <laughs> so I don't know if they're saying he would, he should, or whatever. I had on Russell Orhi on the podcast. And um, my man, like, it's mutual respect. Obviously, he calls you the goat. And he's, like, blown away by what you did. And um, we were talking. And obviously, he knows. He knows if you hit that bench, you would have been half a kilo up. And he's like, yeah, but my man's. I came afterwards, so I'm loading up more than half a kilo. The yeah. game continues. So hats off to him. That's He's a competitor. But um, he, I asked him about it. Like, what did you, did you hear the podcast yet? Yeah. Okay. So he would welcome it. And it would be, I'm not joking when I say this. Like, I know Sheffield was supposed to happen and, and it still might in the future. Well, it will in the future. But my fucking God, Taylor, you don't need to go full 83, full send either, apparently. Right? apparently you don't have to be uh, but holy shit if this was for all the marbles um russell is as big a following in powerlifting the ipf as you're gonna find he's become a dominant champion and lived mm -hmm. up in every way um he's the type of competitor like you where like like you know he talked about like the changing with the johnny candido profile like he takes that personally not from like just because he's a competitor however he's like you in that it's not going to shit talk you. He's not going to, he's not going to go these certain routes, but he's a fucking gamer. He doesn't want to be your friend, but he'll give you the hats off. You know, he's, 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 it's, it's a beautiful fucking matchup. And I swear to God, I, I am not going to sleep three days before it. Um, it's a fucking phenomenal showdown. If it were to happen, what are you thinking? My brother? It's a great question. Um, <laughs> um, I can't. I can't say yes, and I can't say no. Like I, I don't know what what the future holds in terms of me moving up. Um, we're making we're making tremendous progress in the seventy fours. <laughs> I mean. I feel comfortable at around 166, 167. Like that's my comfortable walk around weight. And we literally, for this prep, uh, for this meet, we, I was supposed to water load, but we ended up actually just manipulating gut volume. And I made weight easily. Uh, calories were still high, relatively speaking. Um, and I felt great. So it's not a hard cut to 74. However, it's not a hard, hard gain to 83 either. Um, I, I literally wouldn't have to change a thing. So the door is open. <laughs> would it That's be, I'll leave it. would it be, um, and this is like, look at uh, Benjamin Banks. <laughs> you're listening my man um my god sheffield needs to happen 
these fellas need to clash. And I know Sheffield's not supposed to have it, – it's not about weight classes. You come in whenever. You win the world or you – whatever the qualifying. There's different ways of qualifying as well. They have regionals, and, um, and they bring you in. And then uh, the weight classes be damned. It's all about records and head-to-head. Holy freaking smokes. And the money involved – it's a it's a nice little it's a nice little benefit and um i know you've seen all that was going into the original sheffield now i don't know if it's going to happen 2022 uh 2023 is probably much more likely but um i mean it's it's in the future nonetheless Mm -hmm. but uh holy freaking smokes would that be something unless they could i don't know i don't know man if anyone's listening you got some money back in you you got some sponsors now, I'm, I'm, I might have to, I'm, I'm going to clip this. Obviously, this is a clip. I'm sending it to Benjamin Banks directly. <laughs> like, we need to work something out. Okay. But uh, it, is a, it is an absolutely intriguing future you got ahead of yourself. Um, and all eyes on you. And uh, w- w- what are some of the things that you're looking forward towards after having already done this? Some time off. <laughs> there um no i'm again it's it's a double-edged sword because here we are saying at being the best ever 838 and a half broke every we're the best in every category you could think of every which way you dice it but we're still talking about the missed third attempt on bench <laughs> <laughs> You know, so again, it's like, and I think that's what has made us who we are today. Uh, We're never satisfied and it's a double-edged sword. Uh, Jason is the same way. He's continuously reinventing himself, uh, reinventing the strength guys. We're coming out all constantly with new management systems and athlete management systems, bringing on great new coaches, Arian, for example. and we're constantly just looking for the next thing to get better. For me, um, we've never competed to beat other weight classes. Maybe win a best lifter, yeah, that would be an objective after winning our class, uh, but never competed to set out to beat Russ or, or anyone else uh, who we're not in competition against, really. Um, I think, like there's still questions to be answered, like with good health, uh, with consistent training, I, I feel like an 850 kilo total at 74 is, it's very possible, but like, you're like, man, so in the last year, Taylor's added 13 kilos to the squat. Um, what is it on deadlift? It's a lot of weight on deadlift. <laughs> hey Taylor, I got a little crow here. What do you to his deadlift? Speaking of the deadlift, let me just throw this in there. The 28 kilo, you slid in my DMs and you're like, Do you remember what you said at the IPF World Championships? <laughs> and I, I was Very like, yeah, you don't forget a damn thing. Hey, <laughs> what did what did I say? What was the quote? So he said, you said he's got a great squat, he's got a great bench. He's a fair deadlifter. <laughs> <laughs> He's a 
there deadlift him. And you're like, you son of a bitch. Son I'll talk to you soon. I'll catch you soon. <laughs> and I pulled 312 and a half. <laughs> well, nobody said you're a great deadlifter now. No doubt about it. No doubt about so, it. Where I was going with that is like, the question for me, the curiosity I have in, in my gut is, is how close to 900 kilos can a 74 possibly get? Like that's, it's, and like Taylor and I, like we talk about these numbers years in advance. Like we talked about what it would be, what we'd need to do to beat Jesse Norris's uh, score on Wilkes back in 2018. We started talking about this and it's not like we think it's immediately possible, but we're like, man, I, I, I think the first step to doing it is that you can comprehend doing it, right? It's like you do like 325 on squat, 215 on bench, 360 on deadlift. What does that get you? Gets you, I think it's 900 if you do the math, right? Like, and, and it's like, well, fuck, like we can comprehend it. So how close can we get? And, and that's not saying we do it, but it's, we can try, you know, and, and that's where my head is at with, with what's next. Cause I, I think doing what's never been done before is, is the greatest challenge and the, and the coolest opportunity. So I, I embrace that with full arms. Dude, 920 won the 120 kilo world championships in 2019 when we were there. <laughs> like, what, what are we doing? What's going on, man? Yeah, it's, uh, you're right, though. Like, I do like how you said, like, look, at when you start establishing milestones, it doesn't seem crazy anymore. And you have to be able to wrap it around your head. If you're wrapping, if you're doing the math and you're not even close to those numbers, you're like, I can't, I don't know how we get there. But once you start, the closer you get, you're like, now nah, I'm starting to see a pathway. All right, well, we add a little here. We add a little. That's how it's going to shake up, you know, and, and it's some crazy. Look, at when you're, you're, your base now is 838.5. You know, you know, that's conceivable. And, you know, on that day, they're. There, there was a five kilo on bench for sure. Maybe more on the others because, you know, you're building your total. Like who the frick knows what was there that day. If you're just balls to the wall, max out day. We were... <laughs> <laughs> Ari, what are you thinking about, man? Well, I was just going to throw in a, a couple other milestones or achievements because I know we discussed about some of them before, like, you know, winning worlds and being best after worlds and then here winning nationals, being best after nationals. But I, I like to try and keep track or I've been trying to collect all the national champions for all the different divisions over all the years. Just looking at raw nationals and in the men's side, there's only a few men who have won multiple titles. So, for example, at like, you know, two titles is, you know, Ashton Rauschka um, and J uh, Jonathan Kaiko. At like three titles is like Eli Burks and Bryce Lewis. At four titles is like Russell Orhe, Dennis Cornelius. Then it gets to the top two guys. Number two with six titles is Ray Williams. And now number one standing alone is Taylor Atwood with seven titles. So that's like another milestone. Like now he has the most men's uh, titles. Um, obviously Ray couldn't come and everyone obviously missed out on 2020. But technically, you know, Taylor's won seven straight. So now, like, you know, as a goal, maybe getting eventually to 10 one year, being double digit titles for the men's side. And then the other thing I think no one knows yet, or most people don't know yet, because USAPL hasn't really announced it, is Taylor also won the USA Powerlifting Athlete of the Year for 2021. So, like, that's another achievement on there. Can you see, can you imagine if someone's like, it's only July, it's too early, early to say. 
<laughs> well, I mean, all, all the federations, just like CPU does it like when their nationals is. And so yeah. for us, it's like, you know, when our nationals is. So really, I mean, really, you're looking at the past 12 months, but also some people put like the entire like career of the, of the lifter. So, I mean, for this, you have to kind of look at 2019, 2020 and 2021, because we kind of lost out on that 2020. Um, uh, doggy, so- but my point is, if this was January, we could, <laughs> they would, it's a wrap, son. It's like, it, it's like, it's like Lane Norton in my comment section after the squats. I got you. There's a couple more events, but that's a wrap, son. We're good. <laughs> you know, we don't Shout have out to Lane too, man. First time I met him in 2014, Aurora. Oh, um, wow. Colorado. Dude, I can't tell you how excited he was. He also slid in my DMs and it was voice messages because he's so excited. He wasn't typing them. He was like, holy shit, look at, okay, when I look at this, I'm like, hey, we're all a little excited, but I was just as excited. I was reciprocating, man. We were like, I had a lot of people like, holy shit. It was like a, it was a moment, man. It's definitely a sports moment. Um, yeah, man. I mean, frick, I think we, we, we're getting close to two and a half hours, fellas. And I got to tell you, man, like this is, there's not many podcasts that I like to listen to myself um, afterwards. Cause like I do a shitload of them first off, but um, I am freaking jacked up, pumped and inspired from this one. Like listening to you guys talk, I'm like, I want to go smash some fucking weights, man. Um, just, just listen to what you guys talk about, like, you know, discipline and, and how you're approaching coaching and, and the whole nine. Um, I, I really do think like, I know your opposition, but I know a lot of elite lifters are going to listen to this because it is a little bit of, if like, you'd be crazy not to, what the hell are they doing? What's going on? Coaches too. And then I think when they hear your guys humble approach and then understand everything that goes behind it, humble in training and how you approach training can lead to being confident and cocky on the platform. That's probably the best way to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like I approach training humble. But um, and do you do you take offense if someone says you're you're cocky, Taylor? Because I've said it a lot of times, and now I'm like, holy fuck, I've called this guy cocky to quite a bit. It's uh, is it an insult? I don't think so. I don't say I, it like that. Just no, so you know, no, and, and I don't I don't take it any way. Everyone's gonna form their own opinion of you, and it is what it is. Like I, I don't get offended very easily. Um, I think that's kind of just my thick skin, given that when I was younger, I was teased a lot and because I was the run of the group. Um, so I, I don't really care, uh, but I don't I don't take offense. I really don't. I don't because um, t- I, I don't say it offensively when I say it. Uh, it's just no, not the I, way I picture you. But uh, I, I, you you come from uh, an MMA, MMA background and there's there's a certain cockiness that you have to have um, as a an elite performer um you have to believe you're the best if mm-hmm. you don't who's going to do it for you and you have to have a level of confidence in yourself that you are the best uh it's it's a it's a vision thing um you have to before you even lift the weight you have to envision you yourself lifting that weight because if you haven't you've already lost um i learned that at a young age now, again, you want to call me cocky, that's okay. I, I'll take it. But again, like there, there's a reason you have to be, um, and there's a reason that I am to a certain extent. Like uh, I think that's with anyone that is, has reached high levels of success. Um, there, there's a, 
an inkling of some cockiness, some pretentiousness. Um, there's just that edge that you have mm. to continuously have. Um, and some people are going to be turned off by it. And guess what? I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not going to, I'm not going to change because of your insecurities as a person. Um, or uh, you just don't like people like that. That's fine. Don't try to be my friend. Then I have plenty of them. Uh, I have a great team around me that, that do like me and we have a great time together when we are together. Uh, your, your opinion is not going to matter to me. So Again, like I, I don't take offense to it. Um, there's sometimes where maybe if there's someone that I like show mutual. So this is the one thing I do mind is if I show respect to you, it's the golden rule. It, it, just reciprocate. That's all I ask for. If I show you respect, show me respect. But if you start to show me disrespect, don't expect me to ever come back to that level to respect you ever, ever, like it's, it's done. Uh, and that's how I operate. So it's boundaries. Basically you cross yeah. the boundary. Well, that's the boundary. Then. <laughs> there it is. Um, well said, man, Arian, you got any more, my man, this has been a fucking absolutely gold conversation, by the way. Uh, I was just going to add there. Another thing that came to my mind, once you brought it back up is like, how people you said people may be wondering like what are they doing over there like what's going on it's like that um but the way i think about it is that like it's on them because if you go look at the strength guys instagram jason puts out so much information about how like the training blocks are designed what the purpose of each block is how attempt selection is done if you go look at alfred's instagram he has all kinds of videos on technique kedrick has a podcast all about nutrition I try and like, you know, put as many YouTube videos as I can on like on just USAPL news, but also things on like, you know, technique and, and temp selection of free programs, you know, free game, uh, game plan, like a uh, structure format that you can build for your own and put in your own training and stuff like that. So we have all this information out there for free that people can go and look and see how things are, how we're doing things, whether they agree with it, whether they disagree with it, it's just on them to go and review it and learn it. And, and it can happen. Um, like Penna, uh, 66 from France, and you guys probably seen because I repost the heck out of him, um, and his lifters in France previously, they, they were just, there was a, a language barrier between them and the rest of the world for, for like taking information. Penna, young guys, like the old guard is letting us down. I got to re- outsource. So he brushed up on his English. He took some like RTS courses and starts reading all these articles and like, like contacting whoever he could contact and watching videos. And then he brought all of it back to some of the lifters, like Naomi Alibert, who spoke like no English. Now he's the conduit and, and was one of his lifters. And like, this is what we're going to do. Leah Bavois. This is what we're going to do. And all of a sudden he's transformed himself into a world-class lifter. He's transformed these people. And it's like the information's there, man, we are, living in this age where it's there if you want it and if you reach out and a guy like Penna turned you know France into a freaking powerhouse powerlifting nation all of a sudden well, we got to worry about them it can happen but there are some people who are lazy and they would rather get lazy wrestling or laurels talk shit or some kind of whatever you know it's like nah humble yourself man reach out it's there if you want it um having said that how much are you guys going to release 
uh well we do we do our talking on the platform right so (laughs) (laughs) it's there but, but not all of it and uh yeah it still comes through us uh sorry what was the question (laughs) <laughs> talking like a politician or a lawyer right now i can't i can't can't catch him down or so um yeah like at some point do you guys feel like before you leave the game like it is a peek behind the curtain would be absolutely insane at this point like i think everybody's intrigued yeah so i'm very proud of the internship program that we run uh right now we have Uh, four interns who are uh, with us, ranging from uh, undergraduate students in kinesiology, uh, graduate students in kinesiology. We have a a doctor of chiropractic uh, who's who's interning with our team right now, uh, and full-time coaches, people in the workforce, what have you. Um, I I think it's our responsibility to uh, help progress people. that's what I try to do with my work, right? That's why I chose this line of work. I, I wanted to, to help progress people in the sport. And I ended up being inclined to it after uh, being shown, uh, I guess, a, a few different tools from, from, some, uh, from some of my mentors. And I, I really want to pay that forward. So yeah, we, we have our internship program. Uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to write a book in the future. Um, Dr. Megan Bryant and I have, have talked about that for a few years. Man, I, I get to write in the, the, the intro and it's like the task of writing the book. I've seen one of my mentors, Brett Bartholomew, do it. And then another one, Ryan Ben asked to do it. It's fucking daunting. And it's like, I just got to get, I got to get flowing with the first chapter because it's going to be like a six to eight month chunk of my life, like four to six a day, right? But I, I want to write a book, and uh, obviously we have we have some exciting things coming down the pipeline as well. So, um, I I think sharing is a great thing. Um, anything I put out, and I'm, I'm comfortable with our competitors knowing as well. I I think if you are analytical, you'll figure it out given enough time, anyways. So I'll uh, I'm happy to help out. And I, I hope you help us out too. And I, I hope if, if coaches are out there who found something that's working, uh, you, you don't just hide behind the, the performances of, of elite athletes. Like talk, talk about it to community members and fucking show it in the science, show it in the research if your stuff is so good, you know? Otherwise, it's just a phony, in my opinion. And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're very open to sharing. Uh, and I... <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of, of that aspect of TSG. Yeah, I don't think the, some of these coaches want to get in there and start debating you on the programming side. It'd be a, <laughs> that'd be a whole other one-sided battle. Um, and Taylor, how are you feeling about, like, in the future? Like, are you thinking about writing books or doing, like, leaving your legacy pieces? Or, or what are you thinking, my man? Yeah. Um, there's potential for a book. Uh, I think that I don't know if it would be an autobiography or like a, a short story of my life, like short stories of my life. Um, there's a lot of things that I've thought about. I'm actually, I do write in a journal. Um, 
but in terms of like a full length book, I've I've definitely thought about it for sure. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of things in my life that I think gen- a lot of people would be able to at least uh, resonate with, um, given my background, how I grew up, um, so on and so forth. So, yeah, I, I, possibility. <laughs> I'm intrigued, man. I'm, I'm intrigued for sure. Sounds good, fellas. Any other questions, Arian? We, we've kept these fellas for two and a half hours, and this is, like, I appreciate your boys' time because I know how busy you guys are. Um, it's insane. So for you guys to give me two and a half hours, is it two and a half? Yeah, right? Am I doing the math right? I think so. It's been it's been a hot minute anyways. Uh, yeah. It's much appreciated. Um, do you guys want to give a shout out to anybody uh, before we, we head out and also let anybody know if they how they might get a hold of reach you for coaching for mentorships if they are internships or whatever yeah um our website is www.thestrengthguys.com uh if you're interested in coaching just go to the coaching tab our sign up is right there uh and so is the option to contact us if you want to get in touch with uh, not just taylor or i but arian or, or any of our other uh coaches on our team and, and we have many excellent ones uh that each brings something special to the table and has a, an area of knowledge that I, I think really helps to lift our team as a whole. So um, yeah, and if, if you want to follow our content, it's at the strength guys on Instagram. Beautiful. Taylor, you, you want to give uh, say anything before we let you go champ? Shout out. How about this last question? What do you got to say to the 74s, the 83s, the rest of the powerlifting community? <laughs> Uh, I'm coming. I'm coming. Still hungry, Chip? Always. Still a boy. That's what I thought. Fucking starving. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, and I don't want none of Bryce's cookies, neither. <laughs> <laughs> Bryce, Bryce goes, Bryce slides in the comments, say no more. Say less, fam. I got you. <laughs> and you're like, Bryce, it's not what I meant. <laughs> say less, fam. I got you. All right, I'll fellas. I'll eat some cookies now. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I know. I know, Bryce. I know he's not trying to be facetious. I'm. That, I'm, I'm down, Bryce. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Fair enough. That's called a throwback, fellas. Throwback in the business. All right. Thank you very much, fellas. We'll probably talk in the DMs. Much appreciated. Um, I hope I see you guys soon. Sincerely. Yes, sir. Thank you, fellas. Talk soon. See you. Yeah.